Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm really excited to share the conversation I had with Kay Waima with you. Now, Kay is one of those people who I didn't really know before we met for this interview, but right away, Kay poured out her heart to me. We had a deep conversation, which is my favorite conversation. And what I loved about the conversation with Kay is that she is genuine. She is authentic. Um, She is not going on podcasts to sell books, but to really share a message of peace with people, something that she kind of stumbled upon. And even despite going through hard things in her own life, um, she has found that some of these practices of thankfulness, kindness, mercy have given so much peace back to her. And I don't know about you, but I feel like peace is one of those things that we really are looking for, we're longing for in so many areas of our life. And so I love the conversation that I had today with Kay. And I also want to say if you are like, I need something tangible to kind of walk through some of the things that are keeping me from experiencing deep peace, I would say grab my Tangled book on Amazon, or you can grab the course um, in the link in my show notes. It's just six weeks to walk through what's already going on in my heart. What maybe have I been unaware of or not even paying attention to? Um, One of the things that I shared with Kay is how um, years ago, I used to spend every night when I, I lived for the kids' bedtime, I put the kids to bed, And I would sit down with a glass of wine and a bag of chips and watch some sort of garbage TV show. Usually had Real Housewives of something in the title. Uh, And that was what I was feeding myself. I was feeding my soul. And we talk about in this episode, this idea of, um, she talks about a soul 30. And what are we feeding our soul? And so that's really what my, my book Tangled and Course came out of is paying attention. Like, what am I actually putting into my soul? And what has already been there? What got planted when I was a kid? What even unintentionally, not everything is done in malice, but sometimes someone says something to us and we just kind of hold on to this lie. We believe it and we run with it. And so my hope for you um, is deep peace and freedom. I know that's Kay's hope as well. And so uh, I'd love for you to grab her book, Um, and if you're wanting a deeper dive as well, grab my course Tangle just to walk you through finding out what are some of those things that are keeping you from experiencing deep peace, deep joy, deep love. And so, um, grab those things. You can grab them at my website, JacquelineWinder.com or the link in the show notes. Um, I have everything linked here as well to Kay and, uh, I trust you're going to enjoy this conversation. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Kay Waima. Now, Kay is a mom of five, a blogger, a vodcaster. She's an author of several books, and I love that she tackles hard subjects. 
And um, her latest book is called The Peace Project. It's a 30-day experiment practicing thankfulness, kindness, and mercy. And I read that it was a purposed effort to lighten our soul load by feasting on thankfulness, kindness, and mercy for 30 days. So Kay, welcome to Ready to Thrive. Thanks so much for having me, Jacqueline. I love that. I love the feasting. Yeah, it is a feast for sure. Most 30-day things are like where you have to give something up. This is something where it's like, get ready to, to be overwhelmed with, with peace and joy. Well, I'm excited to dive into the book and how it came about, but I just want to hear a little bit more about you. How did you start writing? Has this been a lifelong dream of yours or how did you kind of get into this? <laughs> Accidentally. Okay. <laughs> Sort of, probably. It's so funny you asking that because honestly, I was mad and uh, something had kind of frustrated me. And I will tell you the, the same way, this book came from a bad attitude. So what's wrong with me? But um, anyway, I, I started writing probably maybe 12 years ago, although that's sort of hard to believe. I, you know, thankfully I, I had, I really loved school. So I had a great education. I love learning. And um, I remember even in like second grade, enjoying writing, even though that's never, that's not the way I went. Cause um, I am in my mid fifties. And so I definitely wasn't in the age, like my mother or, or her compatriots where when they got out of school, they kind of had the choice to be in education or nursing. It was very limited what your options were. Um, I think I probably was still in that, in that, in that world where there were career choices that were better than others, especially from my banking father. And so, you know, we were kind of given the choice, you can be an accounting major or an accounting major, which I really didn't fly in that world, as I'm sure you can imagine with the creativity side that doesn't work in accounting, but I did do finance. And so, and thankfully it had enough creativity about it to be able to let me still have myself in that. But um, when I had children, it just made more sense to stay at home. I tried to do a career. It was really hard because the kids just kept coming. And, um, and at that point, you know, by the time we had four, I was full-time at home. And there were things that were going on in the world around me that really I found unnerving. And so one of them was entitlement. And it just bugged me. It bugged me really when my first child hit first grade and I was sort of expected to go through his homework but, and go through his backpack before he like went to school. And I, I was sort of like, why, why, why? Like he either does his homework or he doesn't do his homework. But if I'm looking at it and fixing it all, you will, nobody will ever know if he understands math or whatever it is. And so there was something about it. And then I was watching all the parents doing the projects for their kids. And I was like, this is a mess. This, I don't know what this is. I know it's a lot of love. Like it's all stemming from love, but I don't get it. And, um, and that's where I sort of got frustrated with it. Like as the kids grew older and I was sort of like, they aren't doing anything for themselves. <laughs> I'm doing it all. <laughs> this is wrong, you know? And I was sort of like, they're looking to the state to serve them. I apparently am the state and I don't even buy into that ideology. So, so I decided to start a blog, which a lot of people were doing at that time. And, and I thought, you know what? We need help walking this teenage life, this tween age life. And apparently people do that online. I'm happy to do that, get people on to, you know, opine about it. 
but um, there's got to be something funny about it. And that's how I started writing. I kind of took on entitlement at that phase in a little 12 year, 12 month experiment, putting everything on the kid's plate. And in the most crazy way, I had some publishers that wanted to, to publish it. And that's how I found myself in the writing world. And the other books are exactly similar because, you know, it's like, well, I don't really like comparison either. So that was the second book. And then overwhelmed really made me mad that we get overwhelmed by the world instead of by truth. And that was my third book. And now here we are on something I really love because of the life that is in it. It's not mine. Like it was given to us this opportunity to engage very deeply and impactfully with peace and joy through these practices of thankfulness, kindness, and mercy. And it is a privilege. And I'm so grateful to you to invite me to share about it on your platform and with your listeners. So thank you. Well, that's awesome. I feel like I'm probably going to need to go get that book on entitlement. Um... It's fun. It's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I read, I, if I, it's, it is everything you would think it would be putting stuff on four kids' plates, you know? But yeah, so let me send well, you one. It's, <laughs> you it's funny because we- Pop it in the mail. Yeah, it was pro probably about three weeks ago and I had this rough night and I my husband came home probably at seven or so and I said, hey, we'd already made a plan. He was going to take the kids to pick up a few groceries. I just said, you know, I am feeling- used I am feeling like they you know they're coming in being like oh, I don't like this dinner also I'm going to take it to go and just think and they're young like they're not teenagers and so I just kind of gave my husband a little bit of a lowdown and then when they came back I don't know what he said to them when they came back from the grocery store every single child came to me and said sorry mom sorry mom and they all unloaded the groceries and they did all things Love and that. so a few for a few days after that I Anytime things would come up, I'd say, do you remember what dad said to you? I have no idea what he said, but I would just kind of remind them and they'd kind of go, oh yeah. And, you know, kind of get back into there. So I think for sure we all need that in our, well, in Jack, our parenting. I'm really not kidding you. I'd love to send you a book because even you saying that, I'm like, you've got three daughters and um, they will love doing this stuff. That's what sounds crazy. It's like, oh, chores, because it sounds so heavy. But what it does is it's actually grooming independence in them and it will connect them with, usually with all of mine, it really connected them with their unique purpose and gifting. I am terrible in the kitchen and I kill every item that comes into this house that is green. Like I don't really do plants because... But I have a daughter that because we did this, she's even had her own business doing catering because she is a phenomenal cook. I would never have known if we hadn't put it on her plate. But outside of that, what it does for them, even like them unloading the groceries, they feel better after that. Like you physically feel better. And when you're doing chores, the crazy thing about it is that there's someone on the other side receiving it. And so there's an element of eyes not on me, eyes on others, even if you're not saying it. So. I, so I, it good. was a great, great project that I highly recommend. And of course, we're the side, the, we're, we're the wreck along the side of the road to make you feel good about yourself. <laughs> well, thank you for going through that. Um, I want to dive into your latest book and tell me how this book came about. What was the spark for starting this, um, this peace project, which I've heard you talk about as Soul 30, which I yeah. also want to hear about. Yeah. So it really actually did start with a bad attitude. 
I had, um, I'd come home from dropping off carpool because we still have one that doesn't drive. And um, I go into the refrigerator. I had ladies coming over. Honestly, they were coming over for Bible study, as funny as that is. And be funny because my bad attitude that ensued. I opened the fridge to pull out the milk for coffee. And there's two jugs. And pull out the first one. It's them. I pull out the second one, it's empty. And I'm like, why not just throw it away? You know, I don't understand that. And it was probably me. I bet I left one of them in there. I don't know. But I go out in my car to go to the grocery store and our street is usually has a lot of cars on it and you back out of your driveway to get into it. And um, I back out and this big black pickup truck, we are in Texas. It was a Texas summer, super hot. And this truck sort of road rude barrels up on me forcing me to back down because he wasn't going to move. And I had, again, I was like, what, really, you know? And uh, I had no choice. So I started backing down and this is kind of where it started. I looked up and um, it wasn't intentional. I just looked up and it was a cloudy sky with the sun coming through the clouds. It was so beautiful. And I, and as I looked up, I breathed and I started going, what am I doing? I'm in a car. Like I'm in a car with air conditioning. I am going to a grocery store where there's refrigerated items. It's highly likely someone will say, hi, Kay, because I go there all the time and I love the people that are there. And, and in that moment, I'm actually practicing thankfulness, like ticking through things for which I am legitimately grateful for, even though I'm in this moment of unsettledness. And I felt better, like I physically felt better, all right? So in that feeling better, I, I back down and I back up and let the car go. I'm like, at that point, I'm sitting there going, yes, please, like, please go. And, and which is an act of kindness. Again, I wasn't like going... <laughs> practice kindness it just was happening and as the person drove by I looked in the window and saw the human being that was driving the car and and in that moment I was sort of like I have no idea what's going on in his day he could be you know late for work he could be racing to the hospital he could just not be a very nice person which is a long life if you're not a nice person and in that moment not being over spiritual or anything I just prayed for him and for me and I pulled away from that situation, seriously, physically feeling great. Like it was almost euphoria, as ridiculous as it is, because it's a regular occurrence that happens all the time throughout our days. I go to the grocery store, still feeling great. I come home, the ladies come over. I'm still feeling so great that I'm sort of like, you're all are not going to believe what happened this morning. And I, you know, just because it was so weird. It just was like, what just happened? And as we talked about it, I started to realize thankfulness was at play. Kindness was at play. Compassion was at play. I didn't know at that time that that really was mercy, which was being activated. And it felt so great. I was sort of like, if we do something like a whole 30 for a diet, because we take care, like we will be cognitive and make changes to for our physical health. I was like, why don't we do this for our thought health? Because if this is something and we did it, it would change so much from the inside out, like at the soul level. And I was like, forget about the whole 30. Let's do a soul 30. And that's how it started. <laughs> so good. Well, I actually really love that taking something on and we, we can kind of think, oh yeah, like I know I should be more thankful. I know I should do these things. But when you actually take something on intentionally, yeah. And especially if you invite other people to do it with you, your spouse or the rest of your family members, it does become something where there is kind of a new 
reset. And I actually ironically did Whole30 last November with my husband and I was like, he wanted to do it. Okay, I'll take it on. And and I was like, can we, partway through, I'm like, can we do Whole10? Like, or maybe Whole20? Like as we crawled to the end, I was like, this is the worst. But what I have noticed since then is we actually are choosing more whole or healthy foods more often from that experience because we had a focus time. And honestly, it was because we didn't realize we we aren't people who have any kind of intolerances to food, but we, we felt so good in different ways. And so then what you're doing is you're saying, I actually want to make choices to feel good. Yeah. And so for this, I love the soul aspect of it, Mm -hmm. that we are just going about our day. And I think about you with that showdown with the truck and how often we're having we're having a showdown with the people in our house or um things that we all day long we're going to bump up against yeah and we have similar to my eating habits we have habitual responses we just have this is how I respond I think about this person in this way I'm going to tell a friend about it later on I can't believe how awful that person was all of those habits we don't realize those are things that are really kind of destroying us from the inside out. Whereas what you're sharing here is the, what does it look like to do the opposite? What does it look like to move in, in the thankfulness and seeing someone's humanity and even writing a new story of this is what they might be going through, shifting that perspective. So what did you notice as you began to embark on this 30 day journey? Yeah. So, um, a lot of what you just said it, um, you know, our brains are very powerful. And so, um, we have neural pathways that are very worn in our brains that start from when we're little. And so when, uh, when things get tense, if a stressful situation enters in, if change is coming, our neural pathways, our thoughts are going to travel the highest traveled neural pathway and they call it a a super highway. And so just knowing that tiny bit about the way our brains work, it really was kind of like, what if we switched our neural pathway and made the super highway one that is more towards peace because we can do that because that's okay. So when you practice thankfulness, it literally fires um, a region of your brain that's simply dedicated to thankfulness, which is why it's powerful, which is why we have so many thankful journal, thank, like thankfulness journals, because it really is helpful. Like for any, just as a human being, it will, it will do good things for you. And so even when you write it down, you see it, if you speak it, you're kind of tasting it. The more senses we use, the better it can be. And there's been a lot of research done on that. They've moved into research on kindness to see what happens to our brains when we practice kindness. And there's two kinds of kindness. You can do something kind for somebody that benefits you, which means that I'm doing it out of a selfish motive and the stracial part of your brain lights up. But when you do altruistic kindness, a whole nother region of your brain lights up. And again, when you, when you do the thought, just the thought of the kindness, it's lighting it up. When you act on it, it's making it even stronger on your neural pathways. And that's, what's so powerful. It's like, it's not just the thinking, it's the acting, which I just, I I had never, 
I just hadn't put that all together, not for any reason. I just hadn't really thought about it. And, and it was bizarre to me that those three things were what were at play in that morning and then how powerful they are. They're just starting to do research on things like compassion, what that does to your brain. And again, it's so significant. It's sort of like, well, of course, because science will always back up the Bible, like you will find it in scripture because in scripture, we're told transform your thoughts and make them obedient to me. We're told he, I keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast in me. And so, and steadfast, isn't just the thought it's the action part. And there's so much life in it. And these three actions actually mirror the greatest commandment. When, when they came to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, which it, you know, in practice is thankfulness. You know, my eyes are not on me. You know, that morning, my eyes got off of me with the beautiful creation that was around me. And um, my eyes stayed off of me as I was grateful for the things that were good that were going on. And then love others, either as I have loved you, which he says in First John, or as yourselves, which is not a narcissistic way. It's an encouragement to, hey, by the way, <laughs> quit beating yourself up because we are the hardest on ourselves. And, and that's one thing that I found so powerful in these, in these actions, like these tiny actions, because I'm just going to like spoiler alert, mercy is an unbelievable. And I don't think we talk about it enough, like in practical ways, it is so significant. And so even that tiny little contemplation of compassion on a stranger does something to you and you get in this groove of just trying to be compassionate like i loved that you said talking about somebody behind their back because you're exactly right that's what we do I, if i hadn't done that act i'm sure i would have gone to the grocery store and, and been even with the checkout person oh people are so rude you know i can't believe the way they drive around here blah, blah, blah. and then she would do the same thing oh you're so right you know because <laughs> that's what we do and there's no life in that and so in these tiny little practices it's sort of like primes the pump for us to be able to go to the very deeper ones, which are hard to get to, you know, and even the more deeper where we could possibly legitimately have compassion and grace on ourselves. And, and I mean, it's sort of like pick, pick the topic of where we beat ourselves up. And so this concept of mercy, it's not about being a victim. It's not about rolling over. It's about grabbing hold of our worth as determined and declared by God, as our identity as determined and declared by God. And standing on that solid ground to be able to engage with these things, with people, the humanity that are next to us in ways that are uplifting and good and productive and real and authentic and truth. And uh, that's yeah, just like you said about the whole 30, I've never thought about that because honestly, I've never done that. I'm not brave enough to do the whole 30. But um, I love how you said that it put it on my mind to be able to consider this even when I wasn't on it. And that's how we live today, choosing oh, in any way, shape, or form when we hit the discontent, when we hit the unsettledness, to choose to see it differently. Well, I love that you said, use this phrase, priming the pump. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is really choosing these things in the little ways, the, the little times, so that when these bigger things come our way, 
-hmm. we've already had a habit. So actually yesterday I was feeling very tired and um, I was on my way to work and I was like, you know what? I like, I need something to eat. And so I'm thinking what's going to fill me up. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to this overpriced juice bar. Like I'm going to, I never do this. I'm going to splurge for one of those like big smoothies. And I'd said to, to a friend, this is where I'm going. And she said to me, oh, she goes, you know what? I need to, I need to do that. She's like, what I usually do is just turn to candy. And I thought, oh, isn't that funny that for me, actually, this was feeling like a splurge. But I realized because in that moment, my brain is going, we want a treat. But I also know, again, having gone through this experience, I know that I want a treat that feels good, that's right. going to going to actually help me and and feel good. And so I think that's part of it. If we, oh, again, go back to that thought life of like, what does it look like to, because I've, I've been habitually making, now don't get me wrong. I've had the candy. I've had the, I've had the chips. Um, but I'm, well, but I've, sure, because how would you know that it leaves you flat if you have yeah, totally. You know? And so I think for our thought life and our actions, it's, it's kind of that same thing of what does it look like to be making these choices? What does it look like to be choosing these little things, these irritations mm -hmm. that come our way. How do I choose thankfulness here? Yeah. How am I going to show compassion on the person who quite frankly, sometimes doesn't deserve compassion, right? Like there are those times where For we, sure. um, I remember standing in a, a Costco, I don't know if you have Costco, but those yes. kind of big box stores. And, and during COVID, I felt like if you want to learn to practice patience and thankfulness, just go to Costco. <laughs> and so you're you're practicing like being in a very busy parking lot waiting and somebody's going to swoop in you've been waiting they're going to swoop in and steal your spot yeah and then I was in line and I had I was buying something I was in line to pay and the checkout guy he was saying because you know because of all the COVID restrictions you have to stand here and you have to do this and I'm so I'm getting irritated at all these little things and he said to me there was one item I was buying he said oh you can only buy one of these because we're we're restricting things and I took a deep breath. And again, I was like, okay, and this, this is a moment that I have to choose. Um, I can get mad at him. I can say, well, there's no sign, you know, all the things. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to smile. I'm going to say, thank you. I'm going to give him eye contact and I'm going to just act in a way that is, this isn't knowing this isn't his rule. This isn't his thing. He's actually probably doesn't love being at Costco, this checkout guy standing on his feet for, you know, eight hours a day, just moving things along. And so we had this great interaction and I go to my car and I think, um, that wasn't an easy situation because I'm going against these things that are kind of my habitual responses, mm -hmm. but I feel great. Yeah. And I think that's what you're saying as well yeah. is this, like, what does it look like in, in, we have opportunities all to day. practice this all the time. Yeah. And you basically took a moment and you rehumanized it and two humans connected in that because you connected with him and he connects with you in that moment. And it's, that's where it is so powerful because there's so much in culture and society today that's dehumanizing. I mean, it's, it's pervasive that you could cancel a human being, that you could write someone off because of the color of their skin or because of their socioeconomic background or whatever, you know, because of a lineage. I, I don't know. We write off people constantly. We write off ourselves when we go in and put on, you know, try to put on a pair of pants that might not fit because of all the COVID French fries and chips, you know? And so you instantly write yourself off and 
let me tell you, human beings have the greatest worth. It's like um, the souls of men. There's that question, what lasts forever? The word of God and the souls of men. And, and it's so important. And so in that moment, you took it from just like this interaction with products and you took it to a human level. And it does feel better because we're made for connection. Like we're made for that. We're made for together. And yes, there's always, there was a, a Jesuit priest that defined, because I wanted to know what each one of these were like. Why is this working? What are they? Like, what is thankfulness? What is kindness? What is mercy? Because you think you know what it is, but when you start peeling back the layers, it becomes very interesting. And so with mercy, one of the definitions that was given to it by a Jesuit priest, he defined it as the willingness to enter into someone else's chaos, which is what you did in that moment. Because his chaos is, I have to tell these people something that I, I probably don't even agree with, but it's, you know, this is where I work. It's my job. And then I guarantee you, you chose a kind response. I, I mean, think of the people that had hit him, that crab at him, that gripe at him because of their unseens, all of everything that's going on in their day. And so to be able to go into this is so powerful and willingness is absolutely the um, most powerful word of it because it's in the willingness that you're not a victim. It's in the willingness that you walk in and engage. It's in the willingness that you choose to see someone else's unseen, which you don't have to engage with necessarily, but even to be able to see it, to be able to walk away if you need to, at least the consideration has gone to the human being, the person standing next to you, which actually comes back to us. And that's one thing I found through all of this. In, in the world's economy, it's like you, you give in order to get and, um, and you do in order to be, okay? In God's economy, you give um, and you get. Like you're giving out, but you're getting back so much in return that it's not like the it's it's a it's a for sure equation that's going on, and it's not an if you do this then you're okay. It's a because I say this because I've done it all. You are loved. You are seen. You are known. You are sought after. You are a masterpiece. You are precious, and it's like all this kind of thing. And with that, because then equation going on, you, it just gives you such freedom to be able to engage in these practices that are for us. It's sort of like all through the law and the old Testament, it's like, whoo, it's a snoozer. You know, it's like a snooze fest of the do, 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 and a little more do, but it really is. He's completed all that because the Lord said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So he's fulfilled it. And all these things are for us. It's like, do these things because you'll be happy. Do these things because it's good for you. Do these things because this is where the life is. This is where the life is. Come. And so you walk away and get in your car whole. Even though you could only buy one thing, you know, even though you had to put it back, there was so much given to you in that moment, I'm guessing, that it really didn't matter whatever you had to put back. <laughs> Well, I love that you just said that these things are for us and um, for myself in the last years. I've chatted about this on the podcast before going through this journey of really God, like showing me what was going on in my heart and um, uprooting all these things. There were certain things that I thought in the Bible when it talked about like, don't gossip, don't slander, don't complain. All these things I thought, oh, this is a list of 
rules. Mm -hmm. And I began to realize, oh, no, these are things that are for me. Mm -hmm. And there is, um, there is the life, there is that kind of fruit of the spirit that comes, this joy, this peace, um, all of those things kind of seem to bubble up when we are living this way. And, um, mm -hmm. and you know, it's funny because for me, a lot of what, you know, we, we naturally habitually go to and a lot of what is going on in the world right now is this idea of offense. Mm -hmm. And we have these, we're very easy to offend. And so one of the things that I, I can share that story about being at Costco in this place right now, but years ago, my natural response would be it, this story has happened. And now I'm going to share it with as many people as possible in a funny way, because I want people to end in a way that gets people to have compassion on me. And I'm so really kind of diving into that victim thing. And what I realized is um, that was the process of me cultivating offense in my life. So mm -hmm. I, the seed was planted and then I would share the story again and again, and I would actually relive emotionally that experience of being like, oh, I'm now going through it again as I'm sharing the story. I'm going through it again. And so I'm, it's almost like that neural pathway, like you said, I'm, I'm actually reliving this place of offense. Yeah. Every time I complain, I actually have a very, very negative, natural um, complainer. And so as God pulled that stuff out of me and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm participating in my own places of being kind of like stuck and negative and feeling this depression, anxiety, and all these things. And so I think part of it is now partnering in the opposite of saying, I'm going to have self-control in this moment of kind of what I'm choosing. It doesn't mean that we don't still experience hard things. For sure. Right? Yeah. And so it's not, it's not about saying, it's not about dismissing the like frustration we experience, but there's a difference between sharing, Hey, this is hard and complaining about it. And, you know, self pity, all of those things that I'm very prone to, um, switching to the thankfulness, yeah, the compassion. That's a, that is, that is a very hard one for me. As you were talking, I was thinking, um, especially compassion, even for the people closest to me. That's the hardest, Jacqueline. I think it's the people that are closest. And um, the thing about practicing thankfulness, it's like, a, you know, it is for sure the biggest, uh, it, it primes the pump more than anything, which is why I think that so often it comes first, you know, these, these, just these encouragements to be thankful. Because as you start, like the first one may be hard, like to find you're sitting there going, and especially if you're unsettled in a place of unsettledness, in a place of discord, even in those times when it really is those deepest wounds that were from when you were a child that you may or may not even know about, um, to be able to, when it hits you, recognize it. Like something in this situation is unsettling. And then to be able to, in that unsettledness, call out something to be thankful for, like that that is real, not Pollyanna, not, you know, just like really sitting there going, which is ridiculous as it was with that car coming at me for me to be able, you know, for just sitting there going, I am in an air conditioned car. I'm so thankful I'm not walking. I could be walking and I'm so thankful that I live close enough to a grocery store to walk, but oh my gosh, it's 105. Thank you, I'm in the car, you know? And so right there, I'm disarmed. Like the, whatever has my guns up, which are my protection, 
because so often it's us protecting ourselves because that seems like the right thing to do. Like, it seems like if I'm gossiping about this person, I'm, I'm garnering like somebody else going, yes, that was not right that you were treated that way, you know, um, which is ju it's just the opposite. If I'm leaning into thankfulness, I'm going to the one, honestly, who is the creator, the one who is the protector, the one who is the provider, the one who says you are safe because I've made you safe. And so you're, you're going into these places, not because the herd is going to disappear because I, I, you know, I told you a little bit about before we even started some of the, the heartache that we've lived over the last year. And what I'm going to tell you that when practicing these things is actually what gave us life, like a wholeness and a fullness. And so when, when it came time to title the book, um, you know, normally you don't really get to title your book. If you're with, there's this, it just, the title is chosen. And so as the title comes our way, um, my daughter says, why don't you call it the peace project? And I was like, that's so interesting because that's actually exactly what it is. Because what comes when you practice these things isn't peace like, hey, peace out or peace to you. It is the shalom peace, which is wholeness, which is completeness, which is the coming together of opposites, which is why it's used as a greeting like shalom and why it is used when people leave shalom. Because it's actually the coming together. It's where light informs the dark darkness and the darkness goes away. That's the shalom you're connecting with. And, and it's, you know, it's sort of like, well, I don't really believe it. And what I'm saying to anybody listening and to myself, <laughs> just do it. I mean, I would love, of course, for anybody to purchase this book, not because of anything I've put in it, but because because it's unbelievable what's what is at our fingertips and so let's do it together like let you don't ever have to do anything alone let's let's go this road together and engage with it try it's a for sure like i can i'm sitting here going is that really fair to say just try it and the answer is yes because i'm not making this up this is one that's been given to us for us and um with all the discord with all the unsettledness coming out of this very bizarre um worldwide um, unnerving and unseen disaster, there's a lot going on inside people. So when you, when you are in traffic today and someone honks at you, please give them a break because yes, we all know what traffic is. We've just forgotten how to drive in it. I was in the parking lot at the grocery store, um, not yesterday, but the day before. And um, I pulled into a spot that I thought this car had backed out of because I thought I saw its lights. And the kid that was with me in the front seat goes, there's nobody in that car. And I was like, what? And he goes, no, no one's in that car. And, um, and so I get out, another person in the parking lot's looking at it. And I was like, is there a person in that car? There's not. Because the person in that car had, forgot to put in it, had forgotten to put it into park and their car backed out and bashed the one that's behind. And I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, what any of us would have given to have known that before it hit the other car, because we could all sit there and relate going so much is on our minds. We've got so much going on. He just, or she forgot to put it into park. And that I really did. I lived with the agony of that for minutes. I like, even as we're driving away, I'm like, oh my gosh, that person's going to come out. And, and it's just because welcome to life it, in the middle of COVID still after COVID to be able to give each other a break 
and give each other grace because we need it. And in those moments of grace, to be able to appreciate the unseen story that is in the person that is next to you, there is life in that. And it's significant. I'll share one last story if you have time. I was, because um, it was so powerful. I was driving home from something with one of our children that really has experienced some hard stuff. And um, it was a tough day. And we're just in the car. And I was so thankful that he was in the car with me, you know, that I could be next to him. And we pull up to a light and um, there's a guy standing and it's a busy light, a familiar light in Dallas. And there's a guy on the side with a sign asking for help. And and I and and during the, at the beginning and for sure through most of COVID, I kept in my car, you know, bills to be able to help because people lost their jobs. I mean, you have no idea what's going on. And and so I pull up and and he so opened the couple. There's like a five dollar bill or ten. I, I was I guess I so wish there was something more. And he comes up to the car and I was like, this is all I've got. And and I just was like, tell me your name because he is a human being just like I am. He told me his name, Tawan. And I just said, I don't know, you know, what's going on in your life. Um, I don't know if I could relate to it. You know what I'm saying? You're going, I'm sure you can't relate to what's happening in this car. And um, but I just want you to know that you're seen, you know, that you're known and Please don't ever be ashamed of anything. We're just walking through this life together. And he looked at me and he said, can you tell me your name? He's like, what is your name? And I said, Kay. And he goes, can I pray for you? And I was like, what? And, and I was like, yes. And he went on to pray this prayer for me and for my son sitting next to me that was so beautiful for his sister Kay. And I mean, it was like, it was this holy moment right there with two human beings with very, very different situations. We didn't look the same. We didn't have the same backgrounds. We weren't dealing with the same issues. We were both clearly dealing with something. And yet we connected on the human level. And it was so powerful. I, I was like, I had barely had words. I just was like, thank you so much. What was given to me in that situation, I will never, ever forget, ever. I looked at him, tears down my face. And he just looked at me just with just, we're in this, you know, and two humans connecting on a roadway in the middle of just ick and going to the one together, not even knowing that we knew the one together to be able to say, Lord, please take these things. Thank you for walking with us. Please walk next to each other so that we can live life fully and holy in these moments that are just part of this world. You know what? But I'm going to tell you the people matter. You matter. Very, very important to the Lord. And so let's treat each other and ourselves that way. These little practices help. Thank you for sharing that story. I feel like as you're sharing it, I was thinking about how um, each of these things, again, we can we can read as like a do this command, but really it's an invitation. Invitation. And it's so an invitation to the feast. Yeah. It and I think feast. it's yeah. not a whole 30 fast. No. It's not, but I'm telling you, this is the feast after the fast. It's like, come and enjoy. The Lord said after the resurrection, my peace be with you. My peace I give to you. Take it. It's yours. He gave a lot for it. It's an endless well. It is the river of life and it's yours. 
<laughs> for the taking. Let's do it together, you know? So good. Well, I love, I love, I mean, really on, on this show, I love to share practical tips, um, always pointing to Jesus. And I feel like that's what your book is really. It is this combination of how do we get practical in our everyday life and how do we go meet with Jesus? And so um, I think this whole book really is an invitation mm-hmm. um, to a to a life of peace, to a life of fullness and opportunity. Even that story of, you know, meeting that man on the side of the road. It's It's not that those things in our life are rare, but do we have eyes to see and ears I to hear? No, isn't that the truth? I've been blown away by that because you would go, oh, that's just a rare occurrence. It is not. It's all day, every day. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because that truly has blown me away Uh, because you would go, well, how do you do this? Look up. It's right next to you all the time because he's there all the time. And it's like, yeah. So, you know, not trying to over-spiritualize things, but really it's, it gets you to these places of fullness and wholeness in the midst of things that look unsalvageable. And there you go. Welcome to scripture. Because if you want to know, it's peppered throughout scripture in the lineage of Christ, the ladies in the lineage of Christ, every one of them were coming from an unsalvageable place. (laughs) And it's completely not just made whole, but peace enters in. And it's so often involves grace and mercy, compassion and trust. And I think that piece of, um, you know, like you said, we have, there's gratitude journals, there's thankfulness, kindness, like those things I think have been more mainstream. I think the the thing with compassion and mercy is actually that it, it does require us to slow down and stop. Yeah. And so I think in some ways COVID has given us that yeah. opportunity to see our neighbors, to slow down and yes. say, okay, the way I had been operating or... Even just, I know one of the first times I had gone to a grocery store and I was standing in line outside and I was like, okay, well, people around the world have been doing this or I couldn't buy everything I wanted to buy. And I was like, well, people around the world don't always get to buy everything they want to buy. And so it was actually an opportunity to grow some compassion inside of me. And so I think this book also is an invitation to begin to see where are the opportunities to experience compassion and it's actually going to cost me. I think that's part of it is all these things have a cost. The payback, the return is so much more, but it does start with a cost. Well, I'm going to tell you that that cost has been paid because the thing about these, when you hit those, you can't do it on your own. You just can't. The, the mercy aspect is the is why it's a soul issue because the, every part of mercy is God. And it comes to this place of experiencing when we say, I just like to experience him. What he says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, this is it. And um, because left to ourselves, we really don't have a lot of compassion or grace. It's tapping into his compassion and grace and the cost has been paid. And it's, um, it's been paid for us because he loves us. And he did it, he did it so willingly because he loves you. It says, and he looked on us with love, you know, he looked on love, which is why he stretched out his arms. And it's just, dare we receive that kind of love and then dare we experience it by giving it out. I think that's the for us part. So good. Um, Kay, is there anything else you'd want to say? 
say to people as we wrap up um keep talking please no no. (laughs) that's right my Uh, kids are always like stop talking (laughs) that's what i said to my four-year-old the other day she is full of words uh but anything else you would say even to the person who's feeling like um these things don't come naturally to me this is hard that's the truth yes the person that's saying that is admitting it because yes, it doesn't come naturally to any of us. And so it's like, you don't have to do this in your own strength. That sounds weird, but just do it, you know, just step out. It's a lot of times it's ground that doesn't look like it's solid. It is the solid ground. And so just do it, just try it today. In some place where you're unsettled, find something to be thankful for. When you see a need, step in. If you just like, it's your neighbor, you're picking up the paper and putting it on their porch. That's going to help the person feel seen. Someone saw me today. They put, they cared enough about me to put my paper on the porch. They cared enough about me to let me go ahead and traffic. I mean, tiny little things, listen to somebody and then hit that place where you can go to compassion, where you can go to grace, where you can go to forgiveness, when you can go to these deep places where we meet each other in our unseen as human beings of great worth and dignity. So good. Well, thank you so much for being here, Kay. Where can people find you and where can they find your book? Okay, so kwyma.com, really. And then the book is kind of, you know, just at most places. <laughs> if you can buy independent, do support our independent booksellers. And, um, you know, on, if you like following Instagram, that's probably my favorite spot right now. But I'm not the, I'm not like the supreme social media guru, but I do love to post encouraging things. So come join me there at kwyma on Instagram. That's awesome. Thank you, Kay. And I trust listening. This has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, Click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.